How's it going, guys? Welcome back to the Extra Pass Podcast. I'm here with Jack, and we're going to start things off with a Super Bowl recap. So, to many people's surprise, the Kansas City Chiefs got absolutely stomped by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 31-9. It was really the story of defensive line pressure. There wasn't much Mahomes could do. Uh, the craziest stat I saw was that he ran over 500 yards just evading pressure. I saw that one, too. It's ridiculous. That was nuts. Yeah, I mean, and he was making crazy throws, obviously. I mean, both teams knew he was doing the most that he could. And it's really a shame that Mitchell Schwartz was out and Eric Fisher was out for arguably the most needed game um, in the most dire circumstances that their line faced all year. But, I mean, it was crazy, man. They just had no chance. Like, that Uh, offense was was doing nothing. It was absurd. Again, I mean... I, I've never seen anything like... I, I really have never seen anything like that game, quite frankly. Like, mm-hmm. I I don't... It literally was like... Um, it was like watching uh, a college game. Like, th- watching the Chiefs on offense was almost like watching a, like a Big 12... Like a bad Big 12 team. Yeah. Yeah. Get playing, like, Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's yeah. what it, like, looked like. Um, because he was just running around like it was backyard football, mm-hmm. but just he couldn't get anything going, which is so weird from Patrick Mahomes because we've expected him to be so unbelievably great that even when he is not that, it's disappointing. And, and I, I, it definitely he definitely did not have, even without the pressures, he did not have a, a, a perfect game. Yeah. Uh, if you remember on the first drive, uh, there was a pass to McCole Hardman that, quite frankly, should have been a touchdown mm-hmm. that he missed, uh, which it looked more like a miscommunication to me, but it would have been that play was, uh, I mean, actually, if you if you watch it, um, uh, McCall Hardman actually made the right read to go up the field instead of to the, to the run the flag route to the corner, mm-hmm. and Mahomes throws the flag route, which made no sense because if he just thrown it straight, to McCall Hardman, which is what McCall Hardman did, would have been a touchdown, and you know uh, Mahomes misread that, and uh, again that was a huge, that was a big play in the game, right? First drive, yeah. Third down and eight, incompletion that should have been a seventy-yard touchdown, um, that he couldn't get done. Um, you know, he still has a problem of dropping too far into the pocket mm-hmm. or too far behind the pocket, which when you don't have you're starting two offensive tackles, you cannot do that. Like, you have to make it as easy on them as possible. And when you, you know, get out of position as a quarterback and you drop too far in the pocket, the angle that, you know, the offensive tackles are giving up is just, it's a free run to the quarterback. Yeah. Which is what we saw a lot of the night, right? And now, like, I get it. He has to do that, but... I mean, really, what he should have tried to do is just throw checkdowns all night. Yes, and you know, like a lot of people were expecting that the running backs were going to get involved in the passing game, and I thought Clyde was going to get a ton of receptions. He didn't have a single one. He had two. He did, but yeah, oh. he had two two receptions. Yeah, yeah, but, but like, still, he should have been a the, focal point. The running backs of the passing had game. a combined uh, four catches. Yeah. for thirty-three yards. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, I'm not sure how much that would have swayed the tides. I really do think this was one of the most dominant defensive performances I've ever seen. I mean, like, every oh, yeah, every radio sure. station was talking about it like they were the 85 Bears. And rightfully so. I mean, they held yeah. one of the <laughs> most mean, explosive so. offenses. 
not only were they getting pressure at every level, Levante David was playing insane. Oh my Devin God. White was, was everywhere. Devin White was covering Travis Kelsey one-on-one over the middle of the field. Kelsey still went for 113 yards, but when it mattered the most, Devin White was there with pass breakups. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of those Kelsey yards were um, garbage time, mm-hmm. like garbage time, prevent defense, garbage time. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Zone defense when yeah. they're like, "Are oh, you want eight yards? Please go ahead." Exactly. Have it. Like, yeah, no, but it, just in general, they did such a good job managing their weapons. Yep. Again, especially yeah, Tyree Kill, non-factor. That's crazy. Got Carlton Davis gotta played give incredible. A, a shout out to. Um, Todd Bowles, yeah, of course, and just the entire uh, defensive coaching staff mm-hmm. uh, for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I mean, their game plan was immaculate, right? And it's interesting because you know this game plan goes against everything that Todd Bowles as a coach uh, does. Yeah, right. He's a huge send pressure, super aggressive type coach, and. I saw the stat that on 82% of their drop, uh, uh, the plays, they played two deep safeties. And there were even plays when they had three deep safeties. Mm -hmm. Like, they were playing, like, essentially like a prevent defense shell. Yeah. Just on normal plays. Yeah. Which is, again, insane, but effective against a Kansas City team who relies on those downfield shots so much. Mm Mm-hmm. I really thought KC should have stuck with running the ball, but at the point in the game when they found success with it coming out of the half, the game script couldn't really allow it. And yeah. all it took was a few third down stops to really erase the run game. But I think the uh, a lot of people were saying that I wish the defense could collectively receive the MVP. I totally agree with that. Also, though, Tom Brady pitched a perfect game. He literally did not make a mistake. Yeah, he did. And... I think a lot of people, um, they, they kind of question, like, oh, how, how is Brady so great? Like, he's 43 years old. He's not mobile. He doesn't have crazy arm strength anymore. That's the beauty of playing mistake-free football. Mm-hmm. If you can play good defense and you don't turn the ball over, games are so easy to win versus the Chiefs. I mean, two picks. Like, the, the game script, if you kind of looked at just the box score, you could probably predict that, that score pretty easily. Brady, 21 for 29, 72.4% completion percentage. That's just crazy efficient, mm-hmm. and he was really spreading the ball out well, I thought. Um, although Chris Godwin didn't get involved, which I was a little bit surprised about. Um, my biggest question now is, like, Tampa Bay, yeah, they looked crazy dominant, but, of course, the next day, Bleacher Report posts their um, title rankings for 2021, and they had the Chiefs at one and the Bucks at two. Is this Bucks team gonna go anywhere? Like they're they're gonna re-sign everyone and reload. And assuming Brady can still go twenty for thirty, you know, on good depth and like hitting his targets well, like I don't see many changes this team's gonna suffer. First of all, I, I do think they are gonna lose uh some pieces. They have a ton of free agents. Uh Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, Levante David, Shaq Barrett. Yeah. Um, but so they have they do have a ton of free agents. I'm not sure if they're going to be able to bring them all back. Well, but for the most part, I do agree uh, that this team is going to be mostly back and will be a um, a uh, you know a, a competitor for the Super Bowl again. Because I, when you look at how much better this team got over the year, mm-hmm. that's what you know uh, was impressive to me. They had so many in, or on the defensive side. They had uh, some injuries. Uh, obviously, Vita Vey 
yep. miss a, a very large portion of the season, and he's quite he's one of the best at his position, you know, mm-hmm. in the NFL. Um, and on offense, again, you know, worst case worst case scenario, they have uh, OJ Howard at tight end with still with Cameron Brait, right? Yeah, but um, I, I think that all of these people, and it's already been talked about in recent days, Mike Evans came out and said he'd take a pay cut. Chris Godwin might have to take a pay cut just based on his production and where he fits in the offense. And he's also, he said on multiple occasions that he wants to stay in Tampa Bay. I think if, if those two things happen, and if Chris Godwin goes down from wanting to sign like a $70 million contract to like a $50 million contract, if that's in the realm of possibilities and Evans takes a pay cut or possibly like spreads his money out longer, they can probably afford to re-sign Levante David. AB will be a pretty cheap contract at this point. Mm -hmm. So will Gronk. No one's going to pay top dollar for either of those guys, nor will they want to leave. Like that's the thing. AB and Gronk literally are just Tom Brady's kids. Like they play for the league fucking minimum. So, I mean, I think that the big question for me is, will they be able to pay Shaq Barrett and Levante David? I'm pretty Mm -hmm. confident they'll afford one through the pay cuts. But, dude, Shaq Barrett, he had, like, seven pressures on Mahomes. Oh, yeah, he was was awesome. I mean, like, that's that's top dollar money. And Shaq Barrett led the league in sacks last year. People kind of forgot about him throughout the season. He wasn't making as much noise, but he he should get paid. And so should Levante David. They're two of the best at their position, and they'll get paid like it. It's just a matter of is that in the budget. I think luckily for Tampa Bay, uh, Levante David, uh, he is older on the older side, and Mm -hmm. he has been in Tampa Bay forever. Yeah. So again, I don't think he'll be too expensive. I don't think he wants to leave, obviously. And same thing with Shaq Barrett. I don't think he'll want to leave. He will be very expensive. But again, even if they do lose Shaq Barrett, right? If they bring back the whole team, but don't bring back Shaq Barrett and say they draft an edge rusher in the first round. Yeah. It's a very competent roster regardless. They yeah, can lose one I of mean, those I mean, the pieces. team is still excellent, mm-hmm. right? It's not like... Uh, you know, Shaq Barrett is what puts them over the edge of being a great team. Like, he's fantastic, but they would still be a very good team without him. For sure. And, I, again, I, I do I, – I think it's very fair to, you know, say that this is going to be the best team in the NFL next year. But, you know, the Chiefs were missing four out of their five starters on the offensive line mm-hmm. um, uh, this season. So, I, I do think it's – you know, you have to look at this game – and obviously the Buccaneers were the better team in this game. And even if they did have their offensive line, I'm not sure if they win. Yeah. I but um, I think I don't think it's unfair to have the Chiefs. You know, they still have Patrick Mahomes as the best quarterback in the NFL. For uh, sure. And that insanely explosive offense. So I, I think it's fair to have them uh, as the number one team for next year. Yeah. But, uh, you know, back to the Bucks. I, I don't think Tom Brady will be any worse next season. I really don't and, think so And, uh, you know, what I think is so beautiful about Tom Brady's game is just, uh, it's just the timing, mm-hmm. right? Everything about him is just so mechanical. Yeah. And it's just, uh, you know, you know, he looks down. And this, you know, is actually an advantage, I guess, of his lack of athleticism right is he doesn't have the option to run around in the pocket like a Mahomes or a Russell Wilson yep right it's like he looks up you know sees the first option sees the second option if the second option is open it's right to the the check down or the underneath route 
mm-hmm. uh, for seven yards, right? And I just don't think people, you know, understand the value of throwing a well-timed, you know, it sounds lame, but the advantage of throwing a well-timed checkdown pass over scrambling around in the pocket and having to either throw the ball away or possibly getting sacked. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? The, the thing about Tom that makes Tom so great is the consistency of his positive plays for a team. Mm-hmm. And his right? lack That's of negative plays. That's what matters so much. When he takes sacks, he's losing one to two yards at most. Yeah, They're very again. minimal losses. It's just, yeah, It's again, it's, it's error-free football and it's smart football. And although yeah, it I, might seem boring at times, it's really not. I mean... And with this Buccaneers team that has the downfield threat that they do have, you mm-hmm. know, once I feel like this offseason they'll be able to truly mix the, the Tom Brady style of football with the Bruce Arian style of football with the downfield targets that they have. Yeah. So next year, I think this offense is going to be deadly. So again, I, I think they, they are definitely potentially the favorites in the NFC uh, for next year again. Uh, free agency, who knows what happens over this offseason. You have to think about the Rams with Matt Stafford. I was just about to say, they're they're on my Um, short list for contenders. Who knows whether uh, maybe the 49ers move up Mm -hmm. and are able to get one of the top quarterbacks in the draft. What if the 49ers were able to draft a Justin Fields or a Zach Wilson or even maybe Trey Lance, uh, one of those guys possibly in their first year is able to turn them into a contender because that is just an insane roster, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, we forget about them because they had so many injuries, but that roster is insane. Yeah. Um, again, the Packers are going to be there. So the NFC is really, really good next year. But the Bucks, you know, right now, they have to be on the top of that list, you know, assuming they can bring most of their pieces back. How can you not be after absolutely annihilating yeah. your Super Bowl competitor? I mean, it's just foolish to say that they're no longer a top team. And at this point, it's really just like, at what point is Brady's arm and shoulder joint no longer functional? <laughs> like, he, his legs, you know what I mean? He doesn't need to get any faster. He doesn't. He, I'm sure he's, like, pliable enough. I really just wonder, at what point is he not going to be able to get the ball out quickly enough to hit receivers in stride? And I, I'm I gonna I'm gonna give him lot. another I'm gonna give him two more years. Like that's my I think at 45, you're really gonna see his arm level out, because if not, like what the hell is he made of? I mean seriously, dude's yeah, got vibranium I, I in his joints. I I will say I don't I'm not that confident about him being uh, his arm being that bad by the time he's 45. You know I, I <clears throat> <laughs> maybe, you know, because so much of throwing football has nothing to do with your actual arm. Yeah. Right? I guess just like so the whole release, it, the the release in general, right? Yeah, and obviously it hurts your arm. But what Tom Brady, Tom Brady doesn't do those sidearm releases like a Patrick Mahomes, which do hurt your elbow. No, yeah, right. Uh, you know he has a compact. I mean, he truly has. If you want to learn how to throw a football properly mm-hmm. and efficiently, you should watch some Tom Brady tape because he has beautiful mechanics. You know he, uh, you know lines of his feet excellently. He has a great hip torque, mm-hmm. um, right? And all those things are things that I don't know how quickly you lose. And if it's like if he hasn't lost it at this point, I don't think he's just going to fall off a cliff. But um, oh, the- shout out Max Kellerman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I still don't know. I think he'll be – I mean, I really do think he can play uh, – 
for definitely like two more years again. I, I agree with you on that one, actually. Yeah, I mean, he just pitched a perfect game in the Super Bowl, so definitely yep. not next year. And if you can say confidently, definitely not next year, then why in two why, years? Yeah, you know? so exactly. I, I just expect that his level of play that this is this is my Max Kellerman take. I think within two years, it will just be like noticeably slower to the point where he can't have perfect games even with great defenses. But I don't know. Maybe I'm completely stupid and he plays at least 47. <laughs> that just seems so <laughs> yeah, bonkers I to me that I, I'm not, I, I refuse really to accept is, it. Man. Like, I, I, I don't know. I just I can't, I can't get myself to accept that. And also, though, I, I hate all the Belichick hate coming oh, out of Boston media. It is like... It's the worst. How do they not just analytically comprehend that they were dealing with the worst passing quarterback in the league in Cam Newton, multiple opt-outs, COVID in the middle of the season, and they still pulled off a 7-9 record against great teams. And quite frankly, they could have easily been 10-6. Yes, yeah, like four play, they're four plays very away. Small, yes. Yeah. So they were in positions Again, to they, win games. I don't know. They could have been a, a playoff team last season Yes, and with the most <laughs> opt-outs I know. and just one of a, a – like, quite frankly, a bad roster. Yeah, a bad top, roster. Top down. That's what it I is. mean, outside of I would say like outside running of back, the offensive line and the secondary. It, but dude, even the secondary, and, even the secondary yeah. has problems. And I I know this sounds weird to say because we have a defensive player of the year in Stephon Gilmore and J.C. Jackson with seven interceptions, but I really don't think J.C. Jackson can be a true number one with no other help around him. I mean, you kind of saw it in the games without Gilmore last year, mm-hmm. and yeah, you saw it when I, he I was agree. placed with tough matchups this year. He's he's a great cornerback, but he was kind of playing second fiddle for most of his great games, and Gilmore is not Gilmore anymore. I mean, he just tore his quad. People want to trade him. He's 32. Like, I, I think this secondary needs revamping just as much as any other position group, unfortunately. It's held together yeah. by a bunch of veterans. Like Devin McCourty on the back end of his career, Jason McCourty back end of his career, Gilmore maybe Patrick even Chung out the door. Will be back, but again, Patrick, back oh, end of yeah. his career. Patrick Chung he'll be back, but again, he, he's barely a covered safety anyways. I mean, just like there's lots of holes in their scheme that they were able to cover up through great coaching and really just I mean they're great players. They are like Devin McCourty, great safety, but yeah, you don't have Old. three more years from him. You know what I mean? And so yeah, I, I think I mean the. The and, and the the Super Bowl window with Tom Brady was over, like, like it, it probably like it was. was. Yeah, so, I don't know. There was no way that if Tom Brady was on the team this year, they won the championship. There's no way. No, totally. But I think that that's not on Belichick. I think obviously it's not on Belichick. Exactly. It's literally it's on, on the rest of the roster. And I hate to say like I mean, all weapons because yeah, it, it might be it might be on Belichick the GM. That I, is I, a, yeah, a, I, guess I guess a fair assumption but we don't we're not calling bill belichick the greatest gm of all time for sure for sure understand that he's had his drafting limitations but again to take away from the coaching job that bill belichick had this season is stupid you know you you have to it's also i think it's also you know disrespectful to you know uh uh coach arians um uh on Eh, the buccaneers it's maybe although he's a good he's a very good coach in his own right you know what i mean to be like Oh yeah. wow, Tom Brady won with another coach. Like, 
Like Bruce Arians is a pretty is a damn good coach in his own right. Although and with a and that, it's a fantastic roster. I get yeah, yeah. didn't do a great job the first half of the season. No, no, give him that, not but. even that. But I think it was really funny a few weeks ago. He came out and said that that quote like, "Yeah, you know it. Sometimes I'll just let Brady do his thing for a few minutes. Like I don't even call plays. I just let him go into the huddle, see what he's got, and call the play himself." And I'm like, "What the hell? Like Brady? I, I, I'd be really curious to see." And this probably isn't the type of thing you'd find access to until like a 60 for 60 came out about this Bucks team. But like, I wonder how much of the game script Brady either overruled himself or calls himself in the huddle. Because like, I really think he had so much authority over that offense towards the end of the season. That is, that is another thing that makes Brady so great. Like his, his, his game plan internally and the way he's able to adjust I mean, I really do think he was calling a solid amount of those plays and making a lot of the decisions, whether the play was proposed to him and he was like, no, we need to do this. Like, he was in their ear for sure, more than oh, any no, other coach. Oh, I no, definitely, I definitely agree. I mean, I think uh, that's a big reason why I've always thought the, the Tom Brady's a system quarterback argument is just so dumb because he basically is He's, the yes, system. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, and he was really yeah. the system here. I mean, and yeah, anyone who thought he was saying he was a system quarterback obviously did not watch the Bucks this year when he literally threw like more twenty-yard passes than any other quarterback in the <laughs> NFL. And he threw forty-three uh, touchdowns in his first year in yeah. a new offense. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that was. I'm glad that argument is put to rest. But yeah, um, I mean, all right. Again, it's just it's wild. I, I have a question for you. What are your I'm not sure how we want to quantify this, whether it's like three or five moves, but what are the most important moves that the Pats need to and can take this offseason to bring themselves into title contention this year? Not for 2023, but if Belichick wants to win a championship this year, what can they do with the $60 million in cap and the 15th pick? What's your what's so, your idea? The number one thing that they can do is sign Dak Prescott. All right, I like it. I like it. There's not another quarterback on the market that they could trade for without giving up too much to make the team a Super Bowl contender right now uh, or sign and uh, to get the team on a level where they could even theoretically make it to the Super Bowl and win, mm-hmm. right? If they want to be even a contender – they need to sign Dak Prescott in the offseason. Uh, there's no other guy who could who has the chance to turn them into that, even if I do not think there's any way they can you know, be a real Super Bowl contender next season. If they want to do it, Dak is the way to go. Um, yeah. And then uh, I, I'd say number two is very simple. Uh, draft the best skill position on uh, a player on the board. With the 15th pick, unless uh, none of the, or I should say, if none of Jamar Chase, who, again, not going to be there, Devontae Smith, almost certainly not going to be there, uh, Jalen Waddle, possibly there, but probably not, or Kyle Pitts, again, possibly there, who knows, um, mm-hmm. is on the board. If none of those four guys is off is on the board, they're, they're in big trouble, quite frankly. Um, but even still, those but, those draft picks without a, a serious move at quarterback don't don't do anything for you. They open your title oh, no, attention I mean, in twenty twenty three. I do agree. I, I agree. But uh, this is assuming we have signed Dak Prescott. Okay, that's fair. 
So, right. Um, I, I mean, I think it's awesome, but my heart wants to say it's a pipe dream because oh, it is. Why the hell would he want to come to New England and throw to Jacoby it is Myers a pipe dream. and pass up Ceedee yeah. Lamb, Amari Cooper? Yeah, I mean, Zeke. they need. I mean, the, the dream is that they somehow sign uh, Dak Prescott, like Allen Robinson, and then drafted Kyle Pitts, which is pretty yeah. much impossible, I think. But, but um, all right, you say that, but there's no reason it can't be done. Oh no! It there, can be there's done. There's no the reason it, it can't could be, be done. done. Again, uh, a, a Stefan Gilmore trade would give them the cap space to do that. As much as yeah. I do not want to trade Stefan Gilmore, that trade would be able to make that happen. Again, the defense would probably be lackluster at that point. But we, we know what Bill Belichick can do with developing cornerbacks. Yeah, I wouldn't be worried you about know? that position group as long as they have draft capital to address it. Yeah. So again, I think that is a. I think those. Again, if they could somehow just those three things and then uh, just either draft, uh, uh, other than that, draft uh, defense mm-hmm. and um, uh, especially de- uh, just run stoppers, uh, yeah. like a, a defensive tackle. I hope that's probably their second round pick or linebacker, right? Just draft those positions uh, with, uh, you know, some of your other uh, picks you have in this in the draft, and then uh, get players on the margins in free agency as well mm-hmm. uh, on those possessions. Again, I think uh, Allen Robinson, Kyle Pitts, and Dak Prescott, those three guys on offense alone, yeah, turns you into uh, a ex- an excellent team. Yeah, and I mean, they've already got a great backfield. I, obviously, there's nothing that needs to be done there. Um, I think, honestly... Dak Prescott is the best available quarterback on the market. It's not even close. Um, although there, there's just no way it happens. I'm sorry. Like it's just as much as I want to say, yeah. yeah, that's the way to go. We kind of have to prepare ourselves for the reality that he's going to get the bag from Dallas, like he deserves, because he was absolutely insane this season in a small sample size. Although they didn't have him in the uh, in the hype thing. Yeah, I, I'm not worried about that. I think that's just like formalities, yeah. like. I, Listen, I feel like if, that's kind of... If they fumble the bag with signing Dak, and I know I know he turned down like $175 million or whatever, but he did that and then proceeded to play up to his value. Like, he played mm-hmm. for more money. He played great. He played he's so good. And it's a shame that he got he had to get hurt because he definitely would have solidified his case um, by the end of the season. And if, if they tag him again, I don't even know. But <laughs> I think realistically, I've heard a lot of murmurs lately that Cam is coming back. And the more I think about it, the more likely it seems because he's going to be as cheap as another quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know what I mean, or someone of that caliber. Mm-hmm. And you know that at worst you could be 7-9 and nine with him with no offseason. And I think Belichick might – he might see that more of a more of a challenge. Like if I was 7-9 and nine with one year of Cam, like with two years I can probably be 10-6 and six, or I guess 10-7 and seven this year. Yeah, it's also possible he didn't like what he saw with just the kind of inability to throw the ball down the field. Yes, I hope that's and, what he uh, saw. Yeah, I, I hope that's, I what he that's what he saw. But again, but without Dak. I don't even know if I want to watch Ryan Fitzpatrick next year. That's either, what I mean. Right? There's, so. there's not really too many great options. Like once the Stafford sweepstakes were over, there just weren't too many directions we could go in in terms of getting like a win-now quarterback that has a solid window open and you, you think could win you a Super Bowl. Like, I think Stafford can win a Super Bowl in Los Angeles mm-hmm. if all things go well. I You can't say that about anyone else besides maybe Dak. I think the, the most likely scenario is that they will end up drafting a quarterback, but you might be disappointed, and it might come much later than necessary. 
I don't see them trading up in any circumstance. No. But I think at 15. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, I think. I really do think they might I don't pick think, Mac Jones. Uh, yeah, I'd say, uh, I'd say it's possible depending on who's on the board at that time. Absolutely. Again, yeah. again if if uh, all four of those guys I mentioned earlier uh, of the skill position players um, are already gone, I would not be surprised with Mac Jones, uh, especially because he he goes to Al- or he went to Alabama. Yep, exactly. Uh, you know, we know the relationship uh, that Belichick and Saban have, and um, the reputation Mac Jones has is that he's a great like a uh, leader, mm-hmm. right? That's what everyone was saying at the uh, the Senior Bowl about him. Um, which again is, you know, he has the potential to be like a Kirk Cousins, right? Which as much as I hate to say that, you know, there's value in having a, a decent quarterback. Yeah. You know, as much yeah. as I hate to, I hate, would not want to have a guy on that level as my quarterback. I don't, doesn't, don't really know if you can win a Super Bowl like that, no. but <laughs> I, I even the value of just having a guy, a good quarterback there is a lot of value to that in the NFL. For sure. You know, because there are only so many good quarterbacks. Yeah, and Kirk Cousins, he had a very underrated year statistically, although I think that if they end up drafting Mac Jones, they see more in him than Kirk Cousins. And I think ultimately, if Belichick doesn't envision a championship in whatever quarterback they draft, he won't draft one. Because yeah, Belichick, yeah. Belichick has like five more seasons till he passes Don Shula's all-time win record. And at that point you might begin to question whether or not he's going to be, you know, want to be on the field at the age of 74. So, yeah. I, Cause I do think there's, it's likely that he wants to, he wants that record. Oh, for sure. But I mean like beyond that, there's no guarantees. Yeah, oh, so yeah, no. you're really, you're, you're talking about, I think like a four to five year window where he's going to try and load up this year. Um, he's going to look for his best option, which would be Dak, but again, kind of beyond our reach. And then other than that, all you can do is hope that if they can't draft one this year, there's a great quarterback available next year in their positioning. But mm-hmm. I don't know. There's who knows. Yeah, that's the thing. It could, it could go in so many directions. You know, we really have no clue. Again, we, we, we got be, a whole big off season. Yeah, right? we, we could so. have fucking Jimmy G under center next year, and it would not be that shocking. So nope. We just got to hold out that for whatever does happen, it produces better results than what we got last year, and I think it will, given our our flexibility. I do agree. So. I think the the cap space alone, yeah, um, makes it uh, just so much. Uh, the team should be pretty good next year. And if it's not, then yeah, probably should fire Belichick as the GM if he can't make a, yeah. a winning record out of sixty million in cap. Yeah, I don't know. All right, let's uh let's get into some NBA topics. So, um, we are hearing some some rumors right now that Kyle Lowry is on the trading block. I. Just gonna go out and say this is interesting because the Raptors are top ten in net rating, and they're only two games below five hundred. So, I don't know. What do you think? Are they gonna pack it in and ship them? Um, I mean, I definitely think uh, it's possible. Um, and I think it, a lot of it also depends on, you know, who we uh, who what the offers are for him. Right, because I don't think they are just going to give him up for nothing. Mm-hmm. But the thing about um, them is that they still do have Fred VanVleet, who is just such a similar player. Yeah, you know, and it's they do play well together for sure. But um, you know, they have another; they have their point guard of the future, right? So if they can get. Something good for Kyle Lowry, who again is a free agent this off season, and it's very likely that he does not return. 
Mm -hmm. So even though they are good this year, you know, the front office and Masai Ujiri, you know, who's very, who's well known to just be a forward thinker, right? Like think about the, you know, DeMar DeRozan trade. That was a huge risk. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously it. it paid off, right? But trading Kyle Lowry is kind of a no risk, you know, it's to prevent risk or it's to, to prevent, prevent loss. Yeah, to prevent loss. Risk aversion. So, uh, as sad as it would be to see Kyle Lowry no longer be a Toronto Raptor, because I mean he's just meant so much for that city and that franchise. I mean he's the greatest player in that franchise's history. Yeah, I mean Kawhi is, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but no, yeah, one year, for right? sure, like, for sure. He, when you think of, um, you know, that uh. The Raptors, you think of Kyle Lowry. Yeah, he's definitely had the best Raptors career. He's not the best player yeah. to ever wear the jersey, yeah. but yeah, you know absolutely, I mean. but absolutely. Yeah. He, I mean, um, he is their team, and it's that's the thing. If they trade him, they're I kind of think they're mailing it in this year. I don't think they can go – I mean, just think about how important he was to their playoff run last year. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like he's I, falling I mean, off. They're not going anywhere in the playoffs That's what I mean. they trade him. That's what I mean. But so, yeah. like, they're, they're mailing it in if they send him out, and – then the question is, where's he going? Like, is Miami going to make a serious offer for him, you think? I think Miami is possible, but... It also the seems one like they I, want everyone. I personally am worried about oh, is uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. What what would that package look like? Because it's... I mean, they're, they're not exactly swimming in draft capital. Let me check the... Clippers, Ross. Let me see that. That's yeah. I mean, they're a tough team to to um, execute trades with, but I don't know. I think Kyle Lowry in Miami would also pose problems for a lot of teams. All right. Let me. Let me. So it would probably be a. I assume it would have uh, be Luke Kennard, maybe. I don't know if they'd be willing to give him up after they gave him that big extension. Yeah. Because, yeah, it does – it is a little hmm. – because, yeah, you're right about they, – they don't really have the uh, the draft capital. No, they cannot sweeten the deal with draft picks. But it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if he's actually dealt. Although, you bring up a great point about him becoming a free agent. They don't want to lose him for nothing. And at this point, even though they're top ten in net rating – it doesn't look like they have the the build to contend in any degree. Um, I guess that really is just a question of the front office and Nick Nurse. Like, do they have so much faith in him that they'll try to run it back? And if that's the case, obviously Lowry will stay. But I don't know. It's 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 tough to to hear it from uh, or imagine it from their point of view. But in other news, we have the Jazz. With the NBA's best record, and it's not really close, twenty and five, they just poured it on the Celtics last night. Unfortunately, I don't know, man. I saw a tweet this past week that was uh, some guy was like, "We've reached the the stage of the season where people, where podcasts are considering the Bucks and the Jazz contenders alongside the Lakers and the Clippers." And I I quoted it with with uh, our our Twitter account, and I was like, "Ah, we haven't done that yet." <laughs> So I don't, and I still will not do no, that. No, I still will not either. I, I'm gonna be honest. Although they played great last night, and it's super hypocritical of me to say that the Celtics could contend for a title. Although I will admit, we'll get into this later. They can't right now, but I don't know. Twenty and five, 
they're just they scream regular season team to me. They really do. Um, I mean, yes and no. <coughs> they do not scream regular season team to me, but they also I, I do not think they are a contender. Now, do I think this is a team that I legitimately think can I I am pretty sure this team will win a first round playoff series. Sure, There's but n- I would still consider that a regular season team. I mean, yeah, that's that's fair, but I also would not be surprised if this is a team that wins a second round playoff series, especially if they are the if they are the number one seed. Uh, I'm almost positive this will be a Western Conference fi- uh, Finals team because uh, to me they are clearly better than any team in the West, not named the Lakers and the Clippers. Uh, again, that sounds yeah. like you know a lot, but it's really not. The team is just so well put together. I mean, they have, they're just, the shooting is insane. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a hot streak. You know, like, when you look at the guys who are taking the threes for them, it's guys like Joe Ingles, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Bojan Bogdanovic, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell, 42% Mike like Conley, like, all these guys are great three-point shooters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, obviously, you know, they have Rudy Gobert on defense, right? Yep. You know what that means. They're going to be a great defensive team. They have Rudy Gobert. So, again, I don't know if they are... I don't think they're a contender, but, you know, look what we said last year about, you know, the Clippers and the Nuggets and what happened in that series. I think it's possible that, you know, the Jazz, uh, you know, could pull a series off against the Lakers or the Clippers, right? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, right? The team is that good. You know, now I do have some concerns about uh, their wing defense against those two teams, and I think Anthony Davis is a huge mismatch uh, for Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. He's a mismatch Which, for everyone, though. So <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. But um, so I I don't know if they are on that level or if they are not on that level of the Lakers and the Clippers. But again, uh, do I? I'd say they are probably they are definitely a top five team in the NBA. If they are, if they were in the Eastern Conference. Uh, right now, they would probably be my favorites. Interesting. So, you bring up the East. There are only four teams that are above 500 in the East, and it's the top four seeds, but one of them is one game above 500. That's the Celtics. It, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's not it's not a strong conference. That's the bottom line. They are The Raptors are in the playoffs right now at 11-13. and 13. The Hawks are in 11-12. and 12. Hornets are 12 and 13. I mean, most of these teams would be on the outside looking in in the West. They all would be, actually, because one through eight in the West have winning records. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy that it's uh, there's double the amount of teams with winning records in the West. But uh, I don't know. To talk about the Celtics for a little bit, this was a team that went from 10 and 6, looking like one of the premier teams in the league, to 12 and 11 overnight. And it happened on a road trip to the West where they played a lot of really tough teams and came out two and four. But I think the the bigger storyline with the Celtics has been Kemba Walker. And I'm sure you've seen it and heard it. And if you've watched oh, yeah. the Celtics game, you've noticed it. But Yes, I have. <laughs> Kemba has been stinky poo-poo. He has been so bad. And it's, it's honestly laughable at this point because, I mean – Every press conference we hear, Brad Stevens, I trust that Kemba Walker will get back to form. We got to do more for him. We got to get more space, you know, like make it easier on him. He's taking too many hard shots. I don't want to hear it, Brad. This man 
has had so many awful performances that it's really starting to one. I'm, I'm starting to wonder, like, is Kemba Walker washed? Is he washed? All right, so we're going to look at a few games um, as of late from Kemba Walker. He had that one nice game against the Clippers where he was only 9 for 19 from the field. And throughout the rest of this road trip, he went 4 for 20 from the field against the Suns, 2 for 12 from the field against the Jazz, 6 for 18 against the Warriors, 6 for 15 against the Spurs, and 1 for 12 against the Lakers. You could call it a slump. (laughs) Dennis Schroeder, all defense first. (laughs) Okay, fine. You could call it a slump, or you could maybe consider the possibility that Kemba Walker has kind of fizzled out. And I don't know. I'm getting really worried about this because we know that small guards, not only do they not age well, but they're not particularly sturdy in the playoffs. They're mm-hmm. in- extremely vulnerable to playoff defenses and matchups. Kemba Walker is all of those things. He's six foot one on the wrong side of 30. And the way that he's going about his game, I mean, yeah, like I just read you his splits from the field. They're not great. And he's shooting like – I don't know, abysmal percentages from everywhere. 34% mm-hmm. from the floor of the season, 37% from two-point range, 30% from three-point range on seven attempts per game. Thanks, Kemba. But the real concern, and I talked about this in a locker room, um, room, locker room, room, I guess, with Keith Smith, who writes for Celtics blog. And I was like, hey, Keith, what's up with Kemba? Like, is his jumper broken? Are his knees done? Like, is, is he packing it in? And he was like, no, it's not even his jumper. It's the fact that he's not explosive at the rim. And, I mean, if you look at his free throw attempts, they're way down this year. Historically, he's averaging like five to six. He's at two this year. And he's not getting any contact at the rim or putting up any, like, decent shots. Everything is poorly contested. And he's relying so heavily on his outside jumper that, like, if it's not there, he's literally just a non-factor. I mean, you remember Kemba, Kemba and Charlotte could go like he was never a crazy efficient scorer, but he would get to yeah, the line. Yeah, I mean, like he, I don't. I also, you know, Kemba wasn't really a jump shooter at the beginning of his career. Yeah, that was not his strength. His strength was not his three point shooting. Yeah, and his shooting as a whole, it was his ability to get to the rim and finish, which he has pretty consistently been very good at. Mm-hmm. And again, when he loses that, it's a big deal. That's a really big deal, and, yeah. and it just. Again, as you talked about, you know, in the playoffs, it becomes much, much worse. Yeah. You know, much <laughs> it's, worse. If it's, if it's bad now, it'll be, it won't be Because fun. in the playoffs, he's just going to get exposed, right? He already did get very uh, partially exposed last year uh, by Miami. You know, think of how many times they, they uh, ran that play. Uh, that inbounds. You remember the inbounds play that they would run yes. uh, from the sideline that got Jimmy Butler the post up on on him. They ran that. Sh- they ran that like five times. Or every like, time Kyle Lowry isoed Kemba and just backed him down to the rim. Oh yeah. Yep. No, trust me. I remember. <laughs> I remember all of them. But I, I don't know because I'm not sure what Danny Ainge is thinking. I know Brad has been very vocal about the fact that Kemba will turn the corner and he'll be fine. You just got to give it time. Like how how much time do you give Kemba? with these just abysmal performances before you start to wonder, like, can they win a championship with Kemba on the roster? With Kemba being your max contract player. What what really concerns me is that if my fears are true and Kemba is not that guy. Of. Exactly. I mean, that, that contract's not movable. 
That's a max contract for a dude that's going to average like 14 points on terrible efficiency. I don't think he'll be this bad all year. I really don't. Like, there's no he way. He obviously will not. There's no way. He can't keep this up. He they, he would not start. He would come off the bench. But I, I don't know. Even if he can get back to normal or some semblance of normal, albeit probably lower than what we're used to, I just don't know if that's enough. And it really raises the question, like, do the Celtics need to make a serious move at the deadline? You heard those reports saying that multiple executives around the league say that something is brewing in Boston. Like, is if that's true, I, I'm just curious if Kemba is involved there because they might try to get away from his contract before it's, you know, the ship goes yeah, down. Yeah, I, I mean, it's going to be tough to find a team that wants to bite on that, uh, to be honest. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I was thinking right, that's like, the maybe the magic would bite. And it's also, it's definitely too quick to bail on him. But if you trade Kemba... You know, who are you able to get? What's a team... Like, you still are going to need a point guard who can create his own shot. You know, are you, or you're relying... Just you're putting everything in the hands of, you know, uh, JB and JT. Uh, which, again, is has was effective early in the season for sure. Mm-hmm. But is that going to work in the playoffs? I don't know, right? Uh, yeah. I don't you know. You still need another threat. You can't just have literally two. Th- like, oh yeah, who's no, the third sure. scorer if they, you know, trade Kemba <laughs> for a, a a big man, right? Like a defensive big man or a, a another wing, right? Like that other wing. But who is that? So right. So I saw a trade package you, actually. Just to answer your question quickly, that was um, it sent Kemba, Robert Williams, and a future first to Orlando, and then I think it might have been two firsts actually for Vucevic and Aaron Gordon and the TPE absorbs Vucevic's contract. That was kind of a spicy deal to me. I'm not sure if Orlando would bite on that because I'm not sure. Yeah. Wow. I, there's no way they'd bite on that. Um, Probably uh, not actually, though, but y- mm. you never know because they're, I mean, they're like bottom three in net rating really can't get it together. Injury plagued old contracts. They might try uh, to move I, them. Why well, I don't think they would be uh, a a guy looking for Kemba, a team looking for Kemba is because they do have Fultz. Again, he's hurt. But yeah. They have Fultz and Cole. They have two young guards, point guards, mm-hmm. who if they get Kemba right, two more years of a max contract. Uh, in two years, who knows how good Fultz and Cole Anthony are? At that point, he's a max contract, taking away minutes from two of the guys you're trying to develop. So I don't sure. know if that's a team who's looking to trade for Kemba, but I do think those are two players who the Celtics should look to trade for. Yeah. Even if they can't get them in a Kemba Walker deal. I think yeah, especially Aaron Gordon. I mean, Vucevic might cost too much for them to be able to acquire him. Yeah. I also don't think Vucevic is uh helps with the Celtics need. To he, be honest, he really doesn't. But I mean, again, you asked for a third scorer. Vucevic can give you. 26 yeah, and again, that <laughs> I'm, I'm much bigger on on Vucevic if they are trading Kemba. Yeah, for sure. And you know, if they don't trade Kemba, I don't think they should trade for Vucevic, right? Yeah. But um, I think the main target for them on the Magic should be Aaron Gordon. But again, if if you have to trade like that trade, I do that is a good trade for them. Mm-hmm. Probably, it's I'd have to think about it more, but that's probably a pretty decent trade for them. But yeah, again, I I don't know what to do with Kemba, right? Because I think he's really yeah. not that good. You know, yeah. what can you what can you do with him? That's the right? thing. That and, they have to just hope. That's all they can do. Yeah. They just have to yeah, hope. Yeah, they have to. And the the worst part about this scenario, I mean, I, I love Kemba. He's a great dude. Like, I, I hate that I'm saying these things. I'm not 
I've never been anti-Kemba before. Last year, all I was talking about was, oh, just let him get healthy and we'll be fine. And it's just really upsetting to me because now the entire weight of the franchise is placed on this man's shoulders. This six foot one, 30-year-old point guard has to play extremely well to validate his existence on this roster. And if he can't, like he will absorb all the blame the same way Kyrie did. And it's really mm-hmm. unfortunate because at the same time, like I am slandering Kemba. I'm talking about potentially trading him, but I don't want to be. I'm only doing it because if things don't turn around, it, it, you have no choice. Like if Kemba is not an all-star, this team will not win a championship. It's that simple. If he's not playing like he was last year, pre-all-star break, they've got no shot. So hopes and thoughts and prayers to Kemba as he struggles out of this, this shooting slump. But I guess, again, we can, all we can do is hope it's a slump for now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can hope. Yeah, I, hope we, can hope. we can hope. We can hope. I'm just kidding. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the Celtics, they they need to – I mean, they, again, they're one game over 500 right now. Yeah. Right, and I know they've had, you know, the injuries and the COVID stuff. But, again, they're, they're only one game over 500 now. They need to find some answers. Again, you said it. They're, what, two and four on this road trip? Yeah, against uh, good teams. Yeah, again, against good teams, again, but that's the guys that they need to beat, mm-hmm. right? If they want to prove themselves an elite team, they have to beat those teams. And I'm sure there's a section of fans that are talking about, oh, we didn't have Smart, we didn't have JB. That's so true. Like, I'm not really worried about the outcomes of these games. If we had gone 2-4 and four on this road trip and Kemba had been shooting well, I'd be like, you know what, our record does not matter. We're, we're where we need to be. But the reality is those missed shots are the difference in these games. And until Kemba can start making them, we're going to keep losing games by similar margins. So mm-hmm. um, that about does it for us. Um, a few more things that we'll get into next week. But um, thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you next Wednesday. No problem. Peace.